uh, devoted to destruction, a full dosage of detrimental dysfunction, I'm dying slow, but the devil trying to rush me, see I'm a fool for pain, I'm a dummy, might cut my head off right after I slip my throat, tongue kiss a shark, got jealous bitches up in the boat, eating peanut butter and jellyfishes on toast, and if I get stung, I get stoked, might choke like I chewed a chunk of charcoal, naked in the North Pole, that's why my heart cold, full of sorrow, the lost soul, and only Lord knows when I'm coming to the crossroads, so I don't feel shit for tomorrow, and I'm a sucker for pain, it ain't nothing but pain, you just fucking complain, you ain't tough as you claim, just stay up in your lane, just don't fuck with Lil Wayne, I'ma jump from my plane, or stand in front of a Welcome train. back everybody, I am the Heartbeat, and this is the Pyro Pulse Podcast, episode number four. On this episode, we will be going through my running back tiers, and I'll give you a little insight on what to do with running backs and where to take them. Before we do that, I'd like to start off with a very exciting announcement for me personally. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Uh, the girlfriend and I recently, over this last weekend, we adopted a little kitten. So you might hear some uh, ruffling around in the background. That's, the, that's just Asha. She's just trying to have a little fun. Also, I would like to give a quick shout out to our newest writer at pyromaniac.com, Wheeler. Wheeler has really been killing it on the news feeds lately. He's uh, a big reason why I have had the uh, bandwidth to be able to come and do this podcast for you. So, uh, Truly thank you, Wheeler. It's great to have you on. And uh, that being said, let's listen to one of our sponsors very quickly and get right into the Namaste News. The Bills have signed veteran receiver Anquan Bolden. He looks to step into their wide receiver two position immediately. Quincy Anunua of the New York Jets is on the IR due to a neck injury. That brings Robbie Anderson and Ardarius Stewart that should shoot their stock up, but we're not expecting all that much from the Jets offense this year. Trevor Simeon has reportedly been beating Paxton Lynch out for the QB battle in Denver. This impacts Demarius Thomas positively and Emmanuel Sanders negatively. Sean McVay has been raving about Todd Gurley, saying he did a great job getting out into the open field. He's a guy that has been motivated and has been a standout throughout the offseason program. I like Gurley this year, as he could see a massive increase in the passing game. Dalvin Cook has been impressive in Vikings camp. Mike Zimmer said, the guy gets it. He understands protections, he works hard, They see how he interacts in the locker room, and that's part of it. And then, when you have a special player, like we got, hey man, this guy is different than the other guys, is what Anthony Barr, their linebacker, said about Dalvin Cook. Brashad Perryman left the Ravens practice with a hamstring issue. John Harbaugh believes it's just a tweak and not a serious injury, but these soft tissue issues are always serious in my opinion. So keep an eye out for that. Jarvis Landry 
allegedly got into a battery case with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. Luckily, she denied these allegations, and we shouldn't see anything further from this. Sammy Watkins left practice with a tweaked ankle. We almost made it a preseason without a Sammy Watkins injury. Keep your head up for any further injuries, as this seems to build on itself with Sammy. Devin Funchess has been stepping up in Panthers. He has a chance to beat out Curtis Samuel for that wide receiver two position. Jay Cutler finally started practicing in Miami, and we shouldn't see too big of an impact on his fantasy wide receivers, the pass catchers, and tight ends due to his arrival. Rex Burkhead has been getting goal line touches in New England, so this causes a little hesitation on the Mike Gillisley truthers because he might not be in line to see that entire Garrett Blount workload. And Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis has been raving about Marlon Mack. He said, he's popping out there. He's a talented guy. He's showing great athleticism, great vision. We were doing one-on-one pass protection drills against linebackers, and he's physical. Although I like Robert Turbin as the handcuff in Indianapolis, Marlon Mack should come in and play a change of pace role. Martavis Bryant has still not been fully reinstated. The Steelers organization believes he should be fully reinstated this week, but we still have to wait on that as until he's fully reinstated, he cannot participate. And thank you for listening to the Namaste News. Let's get into our running back tears. You're a winner. You've got the gift. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. And that is very true. If you are not first, you are last in fantasy football. Friend of the podcast, J.J. Zacharyson, has a great article on understanding bus rates where we're going to dive into the early running backs and the early wide receivers for comparison purposes because in fantasy football, that's really the big question. Are you going with a running back early or are you going with a top-end wide receiver? So based on his data... If you draft one of the RB1 to RB6s, they have a 50% chance of finishing the season as an RB1 and a 76% chance of finishing as an RB3 or better. When we look at the next grouping, the RB7 to RB12, they also have a 50% chance of finishing as a running back 1. But that chance of being a running back 3 or better shoots up to 87%. So that's the sweet spot where you want to get a running back. You want to get one of those top 12 running backs to maximize your chances of having an RB1 on your team. So let's start with my tier one. My tier one of running backs is composed of four players. In this order, it is David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, and Ezekiel Elliott. Those big three that I mentioned of Johnson, Bell, and Elliott, you're likely going to have to use a top three pick in order to get So when you are picking first, I believe you want to minimize your bust rate. So David Johnson, in my opinion, has the least number of red flags when it comes to injuries and suspension compared to Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott, who have been in the news for some of the wrong reasons lately. Diving in on David Johnson, he was PFF's Receiver of the Year in 2016, 
and is again shooting for that 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving yard season. He was second in both yards after contact on the ground and yards after the catch in the air among running backs. He's a true double threat, and he was the only player to be an RB1 in all 16 weeks last year. That's amazing. Le'Veon Bell, had he played 16 games last year, he would have had 2,512 yards from scrimmage. That's a lot of goo. LaShawn McCoy had 14 touchdowns last year, and he has room to improve that number this season as 10 touchdowns were vultured from him last year, and 8 of those were Mike Gillisley, who's now in New England. Ezekiel Elliott has clear room for improvement in his game. Both David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell had 36 and 45 catches their rookie year, and both of them came back to top 80 catches in their sophomore season. Zeke should be able to get around 60 catches this year based on the Cowboys' need to throw the ball more as they will have less positive game scripts. Tomorrow, after the game, I, Jackie Moon, will wrestle a bear. No bears here, so let's wrestle around with this second tier of running backs. It's made up of DeMarco Murray, Melvin Gordon, and Devonta Freeman. DeMarco Murray got my RB5 because he was top three in rush yards and carries last year. Still behind one of the best offensive lines in football. I don't see Derrick Henry working into that workload or eating into that workload. So I think DeMarco should be a full go on and a much improved Titans offense. Melvin Gordon, his new head coach in LA is Anthony Lynn. As we said before, the Bills under Lynn had 24 total touchdowns on the ground. Gordon will look to improve on his 12 touchdowns, and also Gordon snuck into the top 10 in receiving yards, surprisingly, with 419. Gordon is as close as you can get to a surefire thing. Number seven, Devonta Freeman, just became one of the richest running backs in NFL history as he signed on a five-year extension. Despite being only 206 pounds, he had the third most red zone carries in the NFL with 53. And although Tevin Coleman is an extremely strong receiver out of the backfield, Freeman was still top five in catches among running backs at only a 63% snap share. That's going to do it for my tier number two. You really want to get one of these guys on your teams, and these are basically all the running backs that are going in the first round. So let's shift over to some of these second-round running backs in Tier 3. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. Yeah, not necessarily, Will Ferrell. It, uh, it more so means uh, fantasy points are going on here. So my running back 8, the first one in Tier 3, is Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard was top 5 in yards after contact last season, and he's playing behind a top 5 line this year. But with the second most drops among running backs last year, I expect the remodeled 15-pound lighter Howard to see less than 50 targets, which was his number last year, which will likely be taken in by Mike Clay's favorite player, Jeremy Langford. Todd Gurley, as I said, McVay has been raving about Gurley, who surprisingly was consistent on a weekly basis last year, even though he underperformed what most of us expected. With Lance Dunbar injured, I believe the Rams will try to get Gurley a little more space than he saw last year playing behind that line. McVay's going to use him in the passing game, and I think this is going to really open up the field for Gurley and let him get back to his rookie form. 
And number 10, Jay Ajayi. Now, the bone-on-bone condition of his knee will always worry me. This is very similar to the injury that Dwayne Wade had coming into the NBA. And although Dwayne Wade played a really nice career, this is football. So it's a contact sport, and he's much more prone to injury due to this. But Adam Gase doesn't seem to mind, as he said Ajayi could be in line for 350 carries, which isn't ridiculous now that Jay Cutler is the quarterback there, and they might want to get the ball out of Cutler's hands as much as possible. Jay Ajayi has also reportedly improved in the passing game. And look back to Jay Cutler in Chicago. He targeted Matt Forte on an average of 80 times per year, which yielded 60 catches. Jay Ajayi could be in line for a huge year, and that's why he made my top 10 and is in my Tier 3 for running backs. Moving on to Tier 4, again, there are four of them in this tier, headlined by Carlos Hyde at number 11. After him is Leonard Fournette at 12, Lamar Miller at 13, and Isaiah Crowell at 14. Carlos Hyde has been erroneously called a potential cut option in San Francisco. He has one of the best running back contracts, and he's the best one on the team. Despite the San Francisco 49ers going 2-14, the 49ers ran the sixth most plays, most run plays in 2016, and Hyde made the most out of his time. He had the third most yards after contact per game. Hyde will be the starter this year, and he's being undervalued in drafts. So take him out of value. Leonard Fournette, the new rookie in Jacksonville. He was picked fourth overall, and we remember Ezekiel Elliott being picked fourth overall and then producing an amazing season. Fournette isn't quite in the same situation as Ezekiel Elliott as the Jaguars have some issues with their offensive line. But that being said, last season at LSU, Fournette was clocked in running 22.9 miles per hour on a play. And for reference, Tyreek Hill was the fastest recorded player last year at 23.2 miles per hour. Damn, he is big, he is fast, and he is ready to get it in the NFL. Moving on to Lamar Miller. Bill O'Brien, the Texans head coach, has stated that they overused Miller in the beginning of the season. Despite seeing the light front 43.7% of the time, Miller managed only to generate 4.5 yards per carry against that light front. I'm fading Miller this year. He might move down in my rankings due to this, but he should be in that limited role that he was in Miami with Deonta Foreman on board now. And number 14, Isaiah Cruel. The Browns offensive line finished 2016 as PFF's number 16 overall line. Their offseason moves boosted them up to number two entering 2017. And Crowell had the sixth highest yards after contact per touch in 2016 at 1.7. If you combine this with the minimum 2.03 yards before contact that the Browns offensive line generated last season on the four main rushing types, which made up 72% of their total runs, I see Isaiah Crowell as a high ceiling wide, or running back too. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox, mm. who if you were to rate her ass on 100, it would easily be a 94. Mm. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaking! 
through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! Come on, Snoop! Snoop a loop! Snoop! No, let's go! Let's go! I'm cool. Bring, bring your green hat. Let's go! Come on, everybody! <laughs> and we're hitting you with a heavy dosage of Will Ferrell in this episode. So, moving on to tier number five, this is running backs 15 to 20. My running back 15 is Marshawn Lynch, 16, Christian McCaffrey, 17, Joe Mixon, 18, C.J. Anderson, and 19, Ty Montgomery. Number 15, Beast Mode is playing behind the best offensive line of his career in Oakland, and he should be around the 200 carry mark. I don't see any reason he shouldn't continue his 30-plus percent juke rate that he maintained even in his 2015 injury-riddled season. He should be able to f- just fall into the end zone at a minimum of eight times a season if he stays healthy. Christian McCaffrey is a transcendent talent who will showcase his skills in Carolina. As you've probably seen, Christian just put Luke Keekley on skates in one of their one-on-one drills, and that's impressive because Keekley is one of the best defenders in the league. The Panthers have the 12th best offensive line entering 2017, and one thing that dictates the NFL success in how early a player breaks out. McCaffrey was a top talent as early as his sophomore year, averaging 255 yards per game in late November. Despite having a weak passing attack, CMC accounted for over 50% of the offensive yards for the Stanford Cardinals that year. That's amazing. I think he's going to have a great impact in the NFL, very similar to Reggie Bush. Number 17 is Joe Mixon. Mixon is practically an Ezekiel Elliott clone, who is a little more skilled in the passing game. Mixon forced a missed tackle on a nation best every 3.9 touches. He's this low in my rankings because Gio Bernard is ahead of schedule on his ACL rehab, and Jeremy Hill is still there, and he's still going to get goal line and short yardage work. So Mixon has a capped upside in terms of his touches, but when it comes to talent, he's one of the best in the league. Now moving on to C.J. Anderson, my number 18 running back. C.J. will have to play behind a weak offensive line again this year, but newcomer Garrett Bowles should be able to beat out Donald Stevenson, who was PFF's second lowest graded tackle a season ago. Anderson had the seventh largest running back snap share at 74% last year in his seven games, and Jamal Charles' 8-10 to 10 touches per game shouldn't eat into Anderson's upside. Finally, number 19, Ty Montgomery. Unfortunately for us, we have practically no instances of past players converting from wide receiver to running back like Ty did. However, we did see Ty perform very well last year with the third best juke rate of 34% and the best yards per contact per touch of all running backs at 2.8. The issue with Montgomery is Jamal Williams is in line to take away the short yardage work, and it's unclear what type of volume Ty can handle as a running back, as we only saw one game last season where he had double-digit rushes. Moving on to tier number six, we already went through 19 running backs, and according to J.J. Zacharyson's data, when looking at running back 19 to 24, you have only a 13% chance at getting an RB1. So these are guys that you have to be comfortable drafting and having on your team. So of this next tier, 
I advise you to use your own opinion stronger than any analyst gives you because you're going to have that team all season and you're going to be living with the consequences of whoever you drafted or the benefits if you draft well. The running back 20 is Amir Abdullah. Guapo has been declared the starter in Detroit as they have stated that he, they want to get him over 200 rushes this season. Abdullah has an incredibly difficult first five weeks in 2017. But in his active games last year, only David Johnson had a better exclusive rating than Abdullah's 144.9. If he gets that volume of work, he should be able to produce. Number 21 is Adrian Peterson. I have Adrian Peterson significantly higher than the market because Adrian Peterson has never been at this value. Ever since his rookie year, he has been a third-round pick or higher. Peterson left the 29th-rated offensive line in Minnesota for the 16th best in New Orleans. Even if Adrian Peterson can't win the job outright over Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara, the Saints' running back position has finished top two in PPR points over the last three seasons. AP being affordable may be one of the better values because they have shown that they're not willing to give Mark Ingram over 50% of the running back touches in most of his seasons. Number 22 is Mike Gillisley. Gilly is being drafted as if he's the shoe in replacement for Blount in New England, but Coach Belichick wants to be less predictable this year. The Patriots have only produced two 1,000-yard rushers since 2009. And I think this is going to be another one of those seasons where we come away shaking our heads and, hmm, you can't trust those Belichick running backs, huh? Gillisley should get the majority of the goal line work, though, and he has 8 to 10 touchdown upside, so I still think he's worth the value. But you're going to have to have some inside information on knowing who is going to get the ball the most in, those, in that Patriot backfield because he could be a very frustrating week-to-week starter based on his high volatility. Number 23 now is Mark Ingram. Ingram will retain his value in the passing game. He had the 12th most targets last year, and Ingram has proven to us that he can be a top-end option, scoring the 10th most points per game, despite seeing less than 50% of the Saints running back snaps. He's a lower-risk option in the Saints' backfield than Adrian Peterson, and he is more likely to have an RB2 season, but I do like Adrian Peterson more because of the fact that we could get the old Adrian Peterson back. And in New Orleans, that's scary. Nonetheless, Ingram is an RB2. Number 24 is Bilal Powell in the Jets. And man, the Jets have had a rough offseason for their offense, letting Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker walk, and then their perceived wide receiver one, Quincy Inunua, is now out for the season. Bilal Powell performed very well at the end of the season last year, though. From week 10 on, Powell can say one thing that no other man can say. Powell was the only running back to force more missed tackles than Le'Veon Bell with nine on his 29 catches. In that same period of time, Powell averaged 3.24 yards after contact, and despite his limited workload, he forced four more missed tackles than the Cowboys' workhorse, Zeke Elliott. Number 25 is Tevin Coleman. Coleman led all running backs in yards per route at 2.44, 
and has claimed his role as Atlanta's pass-catching back. This allowed Coleman to have the second-best fantasy points per snap metric among running backs, proving that he does have standalone value, even with Devonta Freeman as the primary ball carrier and signing that monster contract. Number 26 is Jonathan Stewart. And yeah, I have Jonathan Stewart a little high because most people think McCaffrey will just own that job. However, McCaffrey will take over the Panthers' passing downs, but Jay Stu is there to stay. Since 2015, no player has broken more tackles on runs between the tackles than Stewart. In fact, he is sitting on 96 over the last three years, and the next closest player is down at 78. Jonathan Stewart still should have value in that offense, even though he might be in more of a limited role. And number 27, Kareem Hunt. On Kareem Hunt, I'm going to read you an excerpt from our League Winners piece that is posted on Pyromaniac, where a bunch of us contributed. It's a great read, so go check it out. Pro Football Focus rated Hunt as the number one overall running back in this year's draft class. Hunt generated... 986 rushing yards after contract over his career and received the third highest FBS elusive rating in this class, which was 112.1. The Rockets running back was awarded the most outstanding player in the Senior Bowl, and he hasn't looked back. Hunt also landed on a team with Andy Reid, who has consistently shown an affinity to utilize one back as a workhorse. The only obstacle in Hunt's way is Spencer Ware, who was originally a six-round pick for the Seattle Seahawks, who released him just a year later. Then he landed in Kansas City in December of 2014 and sat on the practice squad until week eight of 2015, which he was only activated off of due to Jamal Charles' ACL tear. Ware won the starting gig the following season, but this is also accented by the hope that Kansas City had that Charles would return from his rehab. Since that never happened, and he never got back to that pre-injury form, this was the first offseason the Chiefs had to address this need at running back. After they traded their first and second round picks to move up for number 10 and selecting who the Chiefs hoped to be their franchise quarterback, the Chiefs bundled their third and fourth and seventh round picks to trade up to get their guy earlier in the third round. I believe that Hunt will win the starting job outright by the end of the season, and reports are that he could get it before the season starts. He will follow in the footsteps of Andy Reid's other multi-dimensional stars, like Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, and Jamal Charles. Currently, in the 8th round, you can choose between the likes of a 34-year-old Frank Gore in Indianapolis, or a top-end prospect in Hunt who has the potential to be a top five back in the league this year and in many years to come. That's going to close out our tier number six, so let's take a quick break and listen to our sponsors. Heading into tier number seven, that's how you guys are going to be feeling if you don't have a couple running backs on your roster already. 
Tier number seven starts with Dalvin Cook. Number 29 is Eddie Lacy. Number 30, Spencer Ware. 31 is Duke Johnson. 32, Frank Gore. 33, Matt Forte. Number 34, Samaje Pirine. Number 35 is Terrence West. And coming in at 36 and closing out this Tier 7 is Doug Martin. As you heard early on the show, Cook has been impressing in Minnesota. Cook finished second in the nation with 4.6 yards after contact and was first in the nation with 88 forced missed tackles. Unfortunately, he's going to the third worst rushing team in the NFL as the Vikings were only able to create 0.93 yards per contact. I think Cook will be able to succeed in Minnesota, but this just isn't the year to go grab Cook. 29, Eddie Lacy. Even with Lacey's weight issue in 2016, he still averaged 5.1 yards per carry and 3.4 yards after contact. The main question is whether the Seahawks O-line, which is rated dead last by PFF, can improve to support a run game similar to when Marshawn Lynch was there and in his prime. Number 30, Spencer Ware. In Andy Reid's last seven years of coaching, his teams have finished outside the top five in rushing touchdowns just twice. Ware is currently fending off the rookie talent Kareem Hunt this offseason, and although I think Hunt wins the job, Ware has value early in the season while Hunt is getting acclimated to the NFL. Now, Duke Johnson at 31. Miami University's all-time leading rusher, will get to play behind the second-best offensive line, according to PFF, in Cleveland. Even if Johnson is largely a third-down back, he still recorded the second-most broken tackles to only David Johnson. Duke Johnson is a very good value pick this year. And number three, 32, Frank Gore. Gore has been a fantasy starting running back since 2006. This is the most consistent fantasy running back we have seen in quite some time, and he is this year's safe pick to end as a high-end RB2 with a relatively low ceiling. Frank Gore should get a lot of touches in Indianapolis, and he should be a solid pick again this year. Number 33 is Matt Forte. Every year that Forte has seen a decrease in touches, his efficiency has neutralized that impact. This will be more likely Forte's last season, as he multiple times has gone on record saying he wants to play 10 years in the NFL. He still holds fantasy value in this last year because he is one of the best pass-catching running backs in NFL history, and he's on a Jets team that will likely be throwing it in late in games, trying to come from behind. Samaj P. Ryan is number 34. He is college football's single-game record holder for rush yards when he went for 427 against Kansas in 2014. He still hasn't beaten out Fat Rob Kelly in Washington for the starting job, but he has a great situation. If he can't beat out Rob Kelly for touches, he will leave fantasy owners very disappointed this year. Number 35, Terrence West. Although J.J. Zacharyson labels Terrence West as a dad runner, 
West still managed to break out the 10th most 20-yard runs in the NFL last year. West should be able to put those carries to good use as he thrived against stacked fronts last season, averaging a league-best 6.6 yards per carry. And finishing up this tier is Doug Martin at 36. Martin has finished as an RB3 twice in his career. In his other three seasons, he finished no higher than RB45. What can be extrapolated from this? Well, when he does not play all 16 games in a season, Martin has never surpassed 500 rushing yards. With the looming three-game suspension and him not being in a contract year, Martin is more likely in line for the under 500-yard season. That closes out tier number seven, and let's get into tier number eight. For about a month, my urine smelled like marshmallows. <laughs> I wonder how that would do on a uh, drug test now, Will Ferrell. Tier number eight is headlined by Derrick Henry at running back 37. Paul Perkins is my running back 38. 39 is Danny Woodhead, 40 is LeGarrette Blunt, and 41 is Fat Rob Kelly. Since the Titans paid DeMarco, he will likely retain a large share of his carries. Surprisingly, Henry bested Murray's yards after contact with 2.6 to Murray's 2.4 per carry. Also, Henry's 12 forced missed tackles on 13 receptions is the highest missed tackle rate per reception in PFF history. I don't believe Henry has standalone value due to Murray and all of the passing weapons that the Titans added, but he is the clear handcuff to DeMarco if he is to go down with an injury. Number 38, Paul Perkins. Since 2009 with Bob McAdoo, a Ryan Grant was the only running back to receive over 50% share of the carries. The next highest mark was 47. We should pump the brakes on Perkins now, as there has been a strong influence of RBBC and McAdoo's offense, and I don't expect this to change. In looking at Danny Woodhead, there have been 66 other instances of a 32-year-old running back with under 100 rush attempts, and only two of them have produced over 10 fantasy points per game in PPR scoring. With only 5 having produced over 100 points per game of course, over the course of the season. I don't think Danny Woodhead is going to be the exception to this rule. And I think he's a fade this year. Number 40 is LeGarrette Blunt. If you remove LeGarrette's 2016 outlier season, he averages 660 yards and five touchdowns per season. LGB shocked the fantasy world in 2016 with his 18 touchdowns, but it's important to note that in the three years prior, Blunt totaled 18 touchdowns. And not to mention, Blunt has shown quite the affinity for getting caught smoking weed in Pennsylvania. Maybe his urine is going to taste or smell like marshmallows. Moving on to tier number nine. Tier number nine is headlined by number 42 running back, Jaquiz Rogers. 43 is CJ Procise. 44 is Theo Riddick. 45 is James Conner. 46, Jeremy Hill. 
47 is Latavius Murray. 48 is DeAndre Washington. And 49 is James White. And this is going to close out our tiers. If you would like to see the rest of my tiers, please visit pyromaniac.com. Now, looking back at Jaquiz Rogers, I have him as one of my top three super sleepers this season. I'm going to read you an excerpt from that article. Quiz Rogers will be spending the preseason in Doug Martin's shadow. But once opening day hits, it's Jaquiz who will be in the spotlight. Doug Martin will be missing the first three games of the season after getting silly with PEDs. We have a pretty strong sample size of what Tampa Bay does without Martin as he was out from week three to week nine last year. It took Quiz two weeks to unseat Charles Sims as the main back, and then he dominated until a sprained foot sidelined Rodgers for the majority of the rest of the season. But oh boy, did Quiz dominate those games. He saw 30 carries, 26 carries, and finally 19 carries. In the game he was injured was the 19 carries. In those respective games, he went for 101 yards, adding 28 more on five catches. Week 7, he put up 154 yards and 69 and a score in week 8. All of those were fantasy usable weeks. And I think it's important to note that Jaquiz was also the best running back in Tampa Bay when you account for some advanced metrics that he turned out. He turned out a 46.5 success rate compared to Doug Martin's 34.7 and Charles Sims' 27.4. Rodgers is going to take the job and run with it, and for very cheap, Quiz could lock up three early victories for you, and he has the potential to keep a starting role on that team even when Doug Martin comes back. He's my 42 running back, and I think he has great value early in the season. Number 43 is CJ Proceis. Eddie Lacy was healthy in 2015, but he failed to break into the positives that year, as well as finishing number 54. C.J. Proceis, on the other hand, was number four in the NFL with a score of 37.1. Proceis may just beat out Eddie Lacy as the team's rushing and receiving running back. Number 44, Theo Riddick. Riddick will see the field once he gets back from his double wrist surgery. Riddick was the line's best pass protector last season, and his 2015 receiving grade of 93 per PFF was the best for RB in PFF history. Last year, he saw the 8th most targets among running backs, despite playing only 10 games. In PPR, Riddick is a borderline RB2 with upside, but in standard, with Amir Abdullah coming back, I think he's significantly lower. Number 45 is James Conner. James Conner is the clear Le'Veon Bell handcuff. Over the past two seasons, D'Angelo Williams started 14 games for the Steelers and put up 1,715 all-purpose yards along with 16 touchdowns. James Conner is a weekly RB1 in lieu of Le'Veon Bell. Now number 46 is Jeremy Hill. Hill has been top six in red zone rushing attempts in both of the past two seasons. With Mixon coming in, Hill could be on his way out of Cincinnati. But all reports out show that Hill remains in the starting spot over Mixon, 
who is waiting in the airs. Number 47 is Latavius Murray, a.k.a. Laxatives Murray. Laxatives is likely to be beaten out for the starting job by Dalvin Cook, limiting him to only short yardage work. Though he could be a low-end fantasy option here as he managed to put up the 8th best yards per carry against stacked fronts at 4.2, this could give him an edge over Cook behind a weak offensive line in that short yardage work. Number 48 is DeAndre Washington. Washington broke off 20-yard runs at the same rate that Eric Ebron scored touchdowns. He is the likely beneficiary in the case that Marshawn Lynch gets injured, as despite his small frame, he averaged 6.3 and 5.6 yards against stacked and base fronts respectively. Those were good for the second and fifth best averages in the league. 49 is James White. James White could be the 2017 sleeper of the year. The Patriots want to be less predictable as they ran the third most plays in the league with 482. 299 of them were absorbed by LeGarrette Blunt. Aside from his amazing Super Bowl performance, White finished with the third most targets, receptions, and receiving yards among running backs last year. He had the second most yards per touch at 7.2 as well. White is Duke Johnson, but being overshadowed by Gillisley by fantasy analysts. Those are going to be all of the running backs that I will cover in tiers, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to my number 53, Jalen Richard, who's also in that Oakland backfield. Jalen Richard just might be the next big thing in the NFL. We saw David Johnson burst onto the scene in 2015 as he took his first two NFL touches to the house. Jalen Richard's first touch was a 75-yard touchdown run. Also, Jalen had the second-highest yards after contact at 3.6 and rushes per missed tackle at 4.1. I'm not saying that Richard is going to be the next David Johnson, but he just might. And with his draft value you can get him practically for free. All right, that closes out my running back tiers. If you'd like to see more, you can go to pyromaniac.com, like I said before. In our upcoming podcast, we will go over the wide receiver tiers, and we also, after that one, have some special guests coming on. Mike Clay, and I believe I'm pronouncing this right, George Criticos of PFF. So stay tuned for some great guests in the upcoming podcast. Keep your head clear for your upcoming drafts. Remember that you can still submit iTunes reviews for a free 2017 Pyromaniac draft kit. And good luck drafting, everybody.